0: Now let's get to this week's episode. Hi, Roddy. What's up, man? You relaxed? Yeah,
1: my first time being in any sort of podcast format or anything. What? So.
0: I thought all you millennials are always on podcasts. Yeah, you would think so. But yeah. how old I'm, are you, Ronnie? I am thirty. Thirty. Yeah. So you're definitely a dead set millennial.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: How long you been out of school?
1: Uh, I graduated in 2016.
0: Okay. What um, have you been up to?
1: I've been working with Dr. Dalil Patel in Roseville. Okay. Um, is that your
0: first job out of school? It is. It is. All right. Let's talk a little bit about as an associate. Okay, so the mm-hmm. the theme of our program today, our interview with you, is growing as an associate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm with Dr. Ronnie Tay from I call it Sacramento. Okay, mm-hmm. I know you're technically in Folsom, California. Yeah, in Folsom. Yeah. So, um, so talk to me about um, what someone out of school is looking for in an associate.
1: So you know when when I was looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, I was.
0: Are we always looking for jobs? By the way, I
1: feel like when you're going out of school, it's different because you know you're you want to always start off your career the right way. Okay. And for me, you know, you hear a lot in school about mixed signals. You have all these DSOs coming in and telling you, you know, this is the way to go, and you hear from other people that private practice is the way to go. So for me, I was just applying to a lot of different positions and kind of just seeing what was there. Okay. And did fr- you
0: find a shortage of opportunities?
1: Uh, so I, there were positions available, um, as a new grad, it was a little bit more difficult, um, in order to get, I land a lot of interviews, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, but I didn't get a lot of offers starting off. Is it
0: because, why do you think that was?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with dentists not wanting to have to deal with that initial kind of ramp up that associates have to do. Okay. Uh, a lot of training. So when you say
0: dentists, are you referring Mm -hmm. to private practice dentists? Um, private practice along with
1: other, um, Dentists as well in general. I don't think it's necessarily limited to dentists. Would
0: DSOs more open to having new grads?
1: I feel like they are definitely. Okay.
0: So, so when you say you, you, you had a lot of interviews, but not a lot of offers, mm-hmm. that would nece- that would be from what I would consider the private practice realm. Yes. Okay. So in other words, maybe a, a dentist like myself, one office, maybe dentists have a couple of offices. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it came to the, on the DSO side, you felt that they were much more open to hiring and not, not having an issue dealing with the ramp up of having a new grad.
1: Yeah. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of the DSOs were more willing to offer guarantee okay and as an associate frankly i did not really know what to expect i've never been a real dentist before i mean i was in dental school and
0: (laughs) i was in dental school is that what was the alternative a fake dentist i was a baby dentist okay
1: um so you know in dental school you're learning about you know how to treat patients well and the clinical aspect of it but you don't really know much about the whole compensation side and all that kind of stuff so you want to make sure you have some sort of
0: floor how important is a guarantee to you
1: Initially, it's very important because you don't know what to expect in private practice. I mean, how important is the guarantee looking back now? I think it was important initially because your diagnosis and your speed isn't quite there. Okay. Um, but after about six
0: months out, I felt like it wasn't really that necessary right. anymore. So let's talk about that period, okay? Mm-hmm. So so you're talking about something that's near and dear to me, mm-hmm. and that is that, and it's amazing that you said that six-month period, because I, I always joke semi-jokingly say that dental school, you run out of that education about six months after you get mm-hmm. out of school, and at that point, you're beyond, or you've kind of maxed out your dental school skills. Yeah. Um what did you do to get past that, that ramp-up period, to, in, to get through that quick, as quickly as you did? For me, I
1: think it was just trying to implement as much as possible. Like, um, like what, do you, what do
0: you mean? Implement what?
1: So, you know, working with a mentor, mm-hmm. I always try to look back and see every single crown prep that I did, every single filling that I did, every single restoration exam. I'm always looking at seeing what I could have done better. Okay, did I miss something? I'm always looking for feedback, whether it's from my doctor, my assistant, you know, talking to the patient. It's always important for me to always try and get a better result every single time I'm doing a procedure.
0: Do you think all your colleagues are that way coming out of school?
1: I think so. I think most dentists have an, a desire to learn and do better with their patients. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as a whole, I feel like in order to do better, you just have to. Work at it and keep going.
0: And All right. So let's talk about getting this feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, what advice would you give to a uh, an associate or one you know nine months out of school mm-hmm. at this point? Most of them be seven eight months out of school, mm-hmm. uh, or even one year and seven months out of school. What advice would you get give to them to get past that ramp up period a little quicker? What could you have done differently looking back to get through that quicker?
1: I don't know if there's anything that we necessarily could have. Done to get through it quicker because when you're doing your first 50 crowns, your next set of 50 crowns after that's going to be better. Mm-hmm. It's going to be faster. It's going to be more efficient. But I think just taking the time and slowing down initially and focusing on doing things correctly
0: mm-hmm.
1: rather than doing things
0: quickly. Okay. So that's efficiency versus effectiveness. Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: And I really think being efficient, trying to, you know, not change your birds every 10 seconds mm-hmm. and trying to do. You know, adequate occlusal reduction the first time, or trying to make sure you're being thorough when you're doing and doing everything in a s- set sequence mm-hmm. and trying to be efficient about it, and knowing that the more times you do something a certain way, the speed will come.
0: How much do you think technology played a role in your uh, ramp up period? It played a huge role. Talk to um, me about that.
1: Um, you know, we we use a lot of CERIC. we don't use mm-hmm. it for everything, but. With CEREC, there is no hiding your restorations. If oh, you, or it, your preparations. Your preparations, sorry. No. If you're under-reducing, the software is going to tell you. No. If you have a sharp line angle, the, the software is going to tell you. It's very unforgiving in that sense. But each time you have your rest, your preparation blown up 20 times, you can see every single
0: imperfection. You, you can see your bur marks.
1: Yeah, you can see everything.
0: You can see your margins, like what mm-hmm. you thought was smooth is not so
1: smooth. Yeah, and even to this day, you know, I still see some spots where I could have improved better, but… You know, working on that and being able to put two and two together on the actual preparation versus what I'm seeing in the mouth, that's something that's helped me significantly. Wait.
0: So one of the things I always talk to, or I hear, and many of my colleagues talk about for a new dentist is to gain confidence. Mm-hmm. And what I often hear them talking about is gaining confidence in the clinical arena, mm-hmm. but I don't ever hear enough about gaining confidence in the communication mm-hmm. arena. In other words, gaining patients' trust, mm-hmm. what I call diagnosis skills. Mm-hmm. Okay. What advice can you give somebody on that? How did you or have you even gained more confidence in the diagnosis and the uh, patient communication aspect?
1: I feel like that's the most important part of yeah. it all. Um, you can't do any crowns if nobody's do- nobody wants you to do their crown. Yeah, they don't trust you to do it exactly. And you know, my philosophy is always be genuine with the patient treat them as if you're treating your mom your sister i know it's cliche but but patients can sense when you're trying to sell them something versus when you're trying to educate them on what they need you know what's going on in their mouths and i didn't believe you know this when i first started out mm -hmm. but just because you tell a patient the first time that they need something doesn't mean that they'll get it that right at that moment but you plant a seed, and even now I'm seeing patients that I diagnosed stuff six months ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago, and they're finally coming in and they're ready to get this treatment done. Mm-hmm. And you can you see that change, and it really makes you feel like, you know what, just because they don't do it the first time doesn't mean it's a failure in communication.
0: So you're probably beating yourself up a little bit when you didn't get case acceptance in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, what did I do wrong that the patient didn't mm-hmm. say yes? And the truth is, is, honestly… You know, probably 95% of our patients don't say yes right away. Mm-hmm. You know, so few of our patients say yes right away to our treatment plans, right? Minus emergencies, broke teeth, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, hurting teeth, things like that. You know, 95% of our patients are normal, mm-hmm. you know, and not, and normal is not saying yes. Yeah. You know, and, and so one of the things I'm hearing you say is don't necessarily let that get to you. Com- continue and consistently work on your communication skills, but know that the work you're doing today may not sow a harvest or a crop for nine months or a year or a year and a half of down the road. Yeah, it's an
1: investment in time and you're building up your patient base and you're still, you know, even if your skills are improving, you're still working on communication and conveying that to patients yeah. and that takes time.
0: All right. What made you choose a DSO organization versus private practice as your home out of dental school? They were the only place that gave me an offer. <laughs> okay, so, so that's one yeah. thing. Uh, but th- that's their good, because you turned out to be a great person.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. And, yeah. you know, it, they always talk about mentorship. Mm-hmm. And you know, I landed with a great mentor. And that's made all the difference, I think. In did you
0: land role. there? or Did you choose there?
1: A little bit of both. I okay. mean, I knew it was a good fit the moment we had the interview. Okay. Um, and I was hoping that I would be able to land with him. Okay. And I knew that there would be no shortage of patience. So my initial idea was to go there and, you know,
0: learn my craft there. And I've, I'm i still here. I right. love
1: it. It's, it's been an amazing experience for me.
0: So what was your mindset going into working for a DSL?
1: So my mindset was go in, learn your craft, learn how to communicate with patients, you know, ramp up, get my speed, and then kind of reevaluate,
0: you know, where I stood. And what was that? A nine-month plan, a year plan, two-year plan? It was about initially about a year, year and a half that I was planning. And with almost three years later now, right? Yes, almost three years later. So what is your plan now?
1: Uh, My plan is to still stay with the DSO. I'm planning to open a practice with them. Uh, I think that that... You know, I've talked a lot and looked into other options, but you know, with my wife and me looking for the work-life balance, mm-hmm. um, I think that that's going to be the best.
0: All right, so talk me. to me about when you say planning on opening office. Are you going to be an employee? Ah, uh, yes, I will be. I will be a W two employee okay. of the office. Um, will you be an owner? Yes,
1: I will be an owner with
0: that. Okay, so you'll have a percentage ownership? Yes. If you don't mind sharing, what kind of percentage ownership will you have? 49%. 49%. So essentially, you're almost 50-50 ownership. Yes. Okay, so you're in a DSO that happens to provide an opportunity for ownership. Correct. Uh, How important was that for you to stick around?
1: It's pretty important. Um, You know, I... Initially, like I said, my plan was to kind of reevaluate my plan after about a year, year and a half. And the more I thought about it, the more appealing, you know, the option
0: became. Are you confused by all the implant messaging out there? Are you worried about which implant to choose, what kit to choose, what tie base to use, when to use what, when to send it to the lab, when to mill with your CEREC machine? when to print guides, when to mill guides, when all of these things happen, you're not alone. It's getting noisier and noisier out there today. And what you need is a simple solution with a consistent workflow that simply works. At 3D Dentist, we teach how to do digital implant dentistry, leveraging your CEREC technology and leveraging your cone beam technology in a proven workflow that is efficient predictable and profitable you owe it to yourself to take one of our workshops by visiting 3d dentists at www3 d dentistcom and learn more about what we're teaching i look forward to seeing you at one of our workshops now let's get back to the show so let's talk about a couple other things you know um so now you're you're here in Raleigh, North Carolina, with yes. with me at 3D Dentists, mm-hmm. and uh, you're taking our implant integration course. Yes. You guys recently added Cone Beam to your yes. practice that you're currently in, uh, and you've obviously had SERIC there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your expectations going into a CE class? That's probably one of the more expensive CE classes that you've taken. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I mean, I
0: assume you paid, right? Yes,
1: <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, yeah. I don't check, you know. I mean, with the Cone Beam. Yeah, it's a very expensive piece of technology, and we want to leverage that technology immediately because you know, the longer it's there, the payments, you know, they're not slowing down anytime soon. So for us, what we want to do is we want to impl- integrate implants into our practice more mm-hmm. predictably, which would include CEREC guide. So okay. for us, taking this course was kind of a no-brainer because we want to be able to integrate implants with the cone beam with the serac guide seamlessly easily as possible while also showing the patients the power of the technology and how we can make implants very
0: good for them what was uh, impactful for you today something that you probably didn't maybe that you learned that you did if anything at all that you didn't that you learned that you didn't expect to learn the workflow when
1: simplified Mm -hmm. it gets very intimidating at first because there's so many different buttons there's so many different ways to navigate around the software you're not really sure where to start um, but you managed to distill everything into a very simplified protocol that makes yeah. it very almost simple
0: yeah. I would it say. is simple yeah. i mean that 's what I think about the the dense placeona workflow yeah. is that it 's pretty simple it, it, it's it 's at the core of it it's it 's a very efficient and effective mm-hmm. uh workflow yeah what else about the class today
1: um, the small classes okay. you know having the hands on with the teachers and Being able to do everything, you're Mm -hmm. very much a believer in letting everybody, you know, make mistakes in the software and yeah. learning that way rather than just holding your hand and guiding you through, which I feel like is the best way to learn.
0: Yeah, you got you got you got to click the wrong button. Absolutely. It's like it's like when people say, "Hey, well, what happens if I do this?" I'm like, "Click it and let's Let's find yeah. out." Yeah. You know, don't be afraid. It's my computer. <laughs> mess up my computer. Don't go home and mess up yours, you yeah. know? That's awesome. So, what's next for you? What's next for Ronnie Tay? What, what are your mm-hmm. what are your goals clinically? Let's talk clinically now. Mm-hmm. What are your goals clinically? So, clinically
1: I know that I've always wanted to add implant placement to my- uh,
0: So are you currently placing implants? I am placing some. Okay. Define um, some. What does some mean?
1: I've placed two. Okay. So far. Let's literally
0: some. Yeah, literally some, <laughs> um,
1: but you know, I knew that I wanted to go down this path. So about a year out of school, I took the Gordon Christensen oral surgery secret to Dr. Corner, okay. because I knew that in order to place implants and you learn how to take out t- teeth predictably, graph the sites predictably okay. and make sure I have nice healed ridges. Okay. And then this summer I'm going to be taking implant pathway. Okay. I with start, Justin. That's which, great. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Moody. Uh, I started session one online Okay. and then I'll be taking the rest of the course. And then you go out to Phoenix yes. and do that. Absolutely.
0: So let's talk about the investment in all of this. Mm-hmm. How, None of, none of this stuff is inexpensive, right? No, it's not. Okay. And, and, and none of this is the stuff that's provided by your DSO. No. Now, you guys have good education provided mm-hmm. by your DSO. You happen to be with one of the top two or three DSOs mm-hmm. from a quality perspective, yes. in my opinion. Um, and what goes into that thought process? Because what I've, my experience, the reason mm-hmm. I ask, uh, excuse me for a second, uh, the reason I ask is what I've seen, my experience mm-hmm. has been that DSO associates often only get DSO training. Mm-hmm. They very rarely, from just from a pure economic perspective, look outside of that.
1: Well, in my opinion, you, you get what you pay for when it comes to yeah. education. And you need to do your research. You need to really believe in the instructors. Mm-hmm. And from everything I've heard about Implant Pathway and your courses, mm-hmm. you know, I've been listening to you for years.
0: Well, you have a biased um, person in Davos. So. <laughs> that
1: may be true, but in... In taking these courses, yes, there's an initial investment mm-hmm. and, you know, we're not going to be able to do some of the things with the money that we, my wife would have preferred yeah. us to do. But when you look long term, this is something that I'm using for the rest of my career. Yeah. And I can eat, you know, with my um, extraction course, I got an immediate return on investment yeah. on that.
0: Because we have lots of patients that need extractions.
1: Yes. And, yeah. you know, being able to integrate that makes it more convenient than I can see how big of a service it is. And adding implants to so that's not going to help my patients, but mm-hmm. it's also going to help my production go up, and eventually, it's going to pay off very, very quickly. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about. So, you, you've mentioned that you want to do implants. Do you think that you would be do you you would be as excited about implant dentistry without the technology? I don't think so
1: because it it all as an associate and having very little implant experience implants are a little can be a little bit scary you know mm. there's sinuses there's nerves you don't know if you're going to
0: go I, out we know we went through the class that yeah. the sinus was the least important vital yes, yes. <laughs> structure i, struck you, I yeah.
1: prefer that you say the nerve first but yeah yeah but in dental school the sinus is yeah. the black hole so right. you, you but it literally uh, is that you can yeah.
0: mess with it though yeah. yeah
1: but you know for the technology takes away a lot of the guesswork yeah um you can plan with more confidence you can tell look the patient in the eye and say i will not hit with great confidence that mm. I'm not going to hit anything. Unless I'm stupid and do yes. something badly. Yes.
0: At, at that point, you deserve to sue yeah. me.
1: But, you know, 98% of the time, this is going to go perfectly where I want it to go, very predictably. And it's going to give you a good restoration and great prosthetic position while also respecting all of the uh, your
0: yeah. anatomy. All right. That's good. So, mm-hmm. so what, what else? What is Okay, so after you conquer implants, mm-hmm. do you have a – how far out – let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. How far out do you personally plan – your ce or your your goals not necessarily the specific ces mm-hmm. but let, let's ask the question in a couple of ways how far do you plan out your specific ces you want to take and how far do you plan like what's next or what what branch of dentistry after implants is next
1: so i haven't necessarily planned out a lot of what i wanted to do i knew i wanted to get an implant so mm-hmm. i did the extractions we happened to be purchasing a comb beam mm-hmm. so i sped up you know, okay. my implant training because I knew that that was something that I wanted to integrate, and with a comb beam, it would allow to me to make that transition a little bit easier. Um, but next, I think I also want to get better at my restorative dentistry. So okay. I've been focusing to this. And what does that
0: mean, restorative dentistry? Just the quality of dentistry. I want to. Be, okay. you know, are you doing I, bad dentistry now? Not necessarily, <laughs> but I feel like I could always improve. Like when people say I want to improve my quality, I'm like, mm-hmm. "Wait, well, are you doing bad dentistry today?
1: No. no, it's not necessarily doing bad dentistry, but I, I, I guess. The dental school in me is always, I want to do better. Yeah. Um, so seeing some of the work, like next year I want to take the... Um, um complex restorative course by Strupp and Brown okay, in yeah. Clearwater. Um, that's a course I wanted to go this year but with all the CE that I'm taking yeah. this year I was a little bit tapped
0: out on funds but So you've thought about more than just mm-hmm. this year. You thought yeah. about next year? Yeah. And okay. You
1: know, I wanted to take courses that have an immediate ROI because mm-hmm. I am investing this.
0: And how do you determine future. what's the immediate ROI? Is it what what's what like people say that all the mm-hmm. time but what what are you what 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 are you determining that from?
1: Well, with this for example, with this, with the extraction course, I was able to go back on Monday, take out teeth with more confidence. But did you know that
0: them. before you took the extraction course that you had patients that needed extractions? Yes. Okay. Yeah,
1: we were getting a lot of patients with extractions, and I was able to do it, but not to the same okay. level. That I did do you
0: know I that you have patients that need implants already? Yes. Okay. So that makes you confident that implants is a good place for you. Yes. Do you know that you have patients that need complex restorative?
1: Yes, there are yeah. a lot of patients. That's that's definitely a hidden market, okay. and I do have a lot of CE on that road to okay. take, but I know the ROI on that course mm-hmm. isn't quite going to be there as it's going to be for implants immediately. Okay. I know that those courses will make me a better dentist with, okay. with the comprehensive work and um, you know just better fundamentals, yeah. but initially, I think with the implants and the extractions, that's something that I can incorporate immediately, implement on day one, and basically change the way that I do dentistry. Yeah.
0: The reason I say these things and I talk about them is uh, one of the things that I don't think people are doing enough of, and it sounds like you are in this particular situation, is they're not taking CE that serves their current market. Mm-hmm. In other words, people are taking CE for things they hope to do and they hope to attract those patients. Mm-hmm. And the real the real way to get the most bang for your buck in CE is to take CE for things your patients already had, need, mm-hmm. okay? Things that are in your practice already. And it sounds like you're doing that, like extractions. We mm-hmm. definitely have extractions there, yeah. correct? Uh, implants. You definitely already know that you have patients because you guys are doing implants in your practice mm-hmm. and you want to participate in that. Uh, you have patients that are already accepting more than single tooth or even more than quadrant dentistry. So you're like, okay, I, hey, I can learn that and that's something I can bring back to my office. You know, endo would probably be one of those things. Yes. So where do you stand on endo? Endo, we have an
1: in-house endodontist, so it makes it very easy for me to refer out. But but
0: that person may not be there forever.
1: Yes, and you know it's definitely on my list in terms of items that I do want to add to my repertoire in terms of doing that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Good. What other advice would you give to young associates out there? Um, I would say just have an open mind. You know, DSOs get a bad rap. Okay, let's talk about that. Um, You know, did that affect your decision in the beginning? It did. The rap that DSOs have?
1: It did. Um, You know, you can't discount everybody's, you know, you hear this, you hear that. Whether or not it's true or not, you know, you don't really know until you explain for yourself. And and I'll say everybody's experience is different. Yeah, I have friends who love it where they are and I have friends who couldn't stand it and they left immediately. So it really depends on your style and what you like. But, you know, from my standpoint, I've had no issue with any sort of clinical autonomy. I can do whatever I want in my practice. Mm -hmm. There's no strings. There's no one telling me what to do or how much I can produce. It's completely up to me. And for me, that was the most important part. The day that someone tells me this is the way I have to do a crown prep or this is how many crown preps I have to do in a day. I'll leave.
0: Okay. Is that clear to you?
1: Yeah. I I don't want to anybody to dictate how I treat patients. What about
0: this concept of golden handcuffs that people go to work for DSOs and they make good money and then they feel stuck? Is that true? Stay with us.
1: We'll be right back.
0: Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom but actually performing surgeries on real patients. Right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career, just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com Check out our upcoming sessions and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. I feel like if you're in any
1: position, you're nev- you can always leave. Okay. You know, if you're really that unhappy with the way if you don't agree with their philosophy there's always an there's there's always an out okay and in my opinion if it doesn't jive with their philosophy and it's not something that you agree with philosophically and you can sleep well at night then i say you know that's probably not a great place for you but for me knowing that you know i can do great dentistry i can serve my patients well and also in, improve my clinical dentistry i feel like that's definitely something that i can sleep well at night with
0: While we're still on the topic of DSOs, Mm -hmm. um, not all DSOs are created equal. Mm -hmm. Okay. And not everybody understands that some DSOs are actually quite good. Mm -hmm. Some DSOs are actually quite bad. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have your friends or your dental school buddies look down on you? You think sometimes?
1: I don't necessarily think so. Um, A lot of my friends are with DSOs, um, and a lot of my classmates, you know, they're doing their own private practice, their own fee-for-service kind of deal with their things, and that's all great. Um, But I don't really feel like anybody's really looking down at me Mm because everybody's kind of in the same boat. It's not exactly easy to find private practice positions because either hours or they are not enough patients, mm-hmm. or maybe they go into an environment where there's just not any mentorship in right. private practice and in DSOs. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't necessarily think that all of the problems are unique to DSOs, but I definitely think that it's something that definitely, DSOs definitely get a bad rap.
0: Okay. How can we? How can we change that? Or should we even bother, or should we care?
1: I don't know, I mean, It's the perception, right? Until Mm -hmm. more people go into it and they see, you know, how it is for themselves, they're going to tell their friends, they're going to tell the people in the class, below them, that's what's really going to drive it.
0: You know, I'm not, I'm not for or against Mm -hmm. DSOs, you know, I'm for dentistry Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm always a believer that DSOs exist because Mm -hmm. uh, private practice dentistry didn't serve a need. Mm-hmm. For the consumer public, okay yeah. In other words, we left a gaping hole mm-hmm. and smart people came in and they built a business. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that bothers me about this this hatred towards DSOs is, is that most of us live a DSO life. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is most of us shop at Starbucks. Starbucks is DSO coffee. yeah, most of us go to Home Depot. Home Depot is DSO, mm-hmm. mom and pop. Uh, you you know uh, hardware store Mm -hmm. Uh, most of us go to uh, Marriott and Holiday Inns and things I have to say Holiday Inn because we own a few you know uh, uh, Holiday Inns and Marriott's which are DSO of the hotel industry but yet we have such an issue with DSOs being in our profession Mm -hmm. but yet we live a DSO life in everything that we do and so I call those people hypocrites a little bit you know and, and it drives me a little bit cuckoo.
1: But I feel like that's kind of the general trend in all industries, not just dentistry. So, you know, I feel like a lot of companies are consolidating and that's just due to economics or anything like that. But, you know, dentistry is not immune to everything.
0: If you're confused about how to grow your practice, then you need to hear the rest of this message. Listen, the ways of the 1980s and the 1990s simply do not work anymore. You have to be different and the way to be different in today's competitive environment is not doing more of the same thing that everybody else is doing, but adding new services to your practice. If you're looking for a solution that's logical, practical, and full of business tips to how to implement strategies into your practice to add new services, then you need to look at my company, 3D Dentists. We provide fantastic training, that will help you grow your practice by adding new services to your existing patient base. If you want to learn more, all you got to do is visit www.3d-dentists.com and look around and see what's right for you. If you have any questions, don't ever hesitate to reach out to me. Now, let's get back to our show. You know, I, actually, I want to talk about something. It mm-hmm. just came to my head. We were talking a little bit about... Um, so... Out of dental school, if I asked you that you could have a hundred percent collection rate or ninety-six percent collection rate, which would you shoot for? When well, coming like, out of dental school, hundred percent. Okay, what would you shoot for today? Ninety-six. Why?
1: Because when you take risks mm-hmm. and you you know give patients the opportunity, they will do more treatment.
0: Yeah, so so the analogy I want to use or the example I want to use because I'm a big believer in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, there's one of your colleagues uh, from your organization that I heard this from and I'm like, yeah, that's that is that does put into words what I felt, mm-hmm. right? And is do you want 100,000 you want 100% of 900,000 or a million mm-hmm. or do you want 96% of 1.3 or 1.4 million? Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer in extending payment plans. Absolutely. Or monthly payments to my patients. Okay, it allows dentistry. It yes, it's a risk, mm-hmm. but it allows patients to say yes to more dentistry and allows people to get the care they deserve. Yeah. In our conversation uh, just with the the guys here earlier, you talked about all, what percentage of your patients do you think are on payment plans? I would
1: say sixty to eighty percent.
0: Sixty to eighty yeah. percent, and I bet you if we went around the room in our classroom today, mm-hmm. um, uh, all the private practitioners that number would be five to 10%, if that many. Yeah. And to me, that's one of the biggest difference. So one of the things I, I wanna start talking about a little bit, maybe not today completely, mm-hmm. but is what, instead of our profession complaining about DSOs, mm-hmm. what can we learn from DSOs? Yeah. Because they're doing many things right. Mm-hmm. From a, certainly from a business perspective, they're doing many things right, yeah. okay? So what can we learn from them? And to me, one of the things that we need to learn is they're not shooting for a hundred percent collections rate. Mm-hmm. They want to take a risk, and they want to—they will—they're willing to accept a little bit of bad debt yeah. because when you do that, you're going to have more people say yes. Yeah. You know, and it allows people to say yes to some dentistry. Mm-hmm. And where it really wins is when people say yes to additional dentistry. For that tooth you're already doing, let's go ahead and take care of this tooth right in front of it or the tooth yeah. right behind it, and that's when we become massively, massively efficient in our practices.
1: Yeah, and you know, a thousand dollars is a lot of money.
0: It's yeah. a lot of money to me. I yeah. don't have a thousand dollars in my pocket right now. Yeah,
1: so I mean, you know, we say that every day. You know, we're presenting treatment plans that are, you know, well, crown here and a couple fillings, and you're looking at fifteen hundred dollars, eighteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars, really quickly, um, and. I mean, I don't know if most associates with the school debt and all that kind of stuff can't even afford that much money right out. They so, can't. Um, you know, think about a patient who's making, you know, ha- less than half of what we're making as a first-year associate. I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of money. So being able to break that into a monthly payment and, you know, maybe that, that decayed tooth won't need a root canal or extraction and mm-hmm. an implant a couple years down the line. You're still doing the patient a service and you're also, you know, making some production as well on the side.
0: Is there anything else that you can think of that, uh, that private practitioners can learn from DSOs?
1: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker there's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances and future. Now, back to this week's episode.
1: I think a lot of dental students want to go to private practice, mm-hmm. but I don't think that there's really a lot of spots. Okay. And, you know, when I say that, yes, do dental students want to go to the main big cities? And we're always talking sure. about an availability But that's where the DSOs
0: are, by the yeah. way.
1: But, you know, there are spots everywhere. But when I was applying for, and I'm speaking anecdotally, of course, right. when I was applying for That's such a dental
0: school word, by the way. <laughs>
1: Um, but when I was applying for positions, you know, I got a couple callbacks from private practice and I got no offers. Okay. So, you know, whether or not that was because I was new or whether it's because they weren't willing to take on another associate, or whether they couldn't give me, you know, more than one day a week, he- mm-hmm. you know, here or there. Um, I feel like that's kind of the major issue is more private practice. dentists, would be, you know, me- taking, giving these spots to dentists, and, you know, Keeping that private practice yeah. cycle going, we'd have less dentists. Yeah. Dentists going. I to think
0: really days. what you're saying is, um, private practice dentists need to take a little risk with, with hiring new grads. Yeah, yeah. And we might find diamonds in the roughs like Ronnie Tay, right? Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, you might, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes you're gonna not find diamonds in the roughs, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm am I'm the I'm probably the best example <laughs> of not finding diamonds in the rough with associates. But um, what I'm unwilling to do is give up. You know, and and because I know in the long run, it's like, I'm convinced that as private practitioner myself, the only way that I'm going to compete and survive or thrive, I shouldn't say survive. The only way I'm going to compete and thrive in an environment where DSOs are growing Mm -hmm. is to learn from them. And that's going to be multi-doctor practices. Mm -hmm. At some point, bringing in specialists. Mm -hmm. At some point, being able to create an environment where you can provide high quality dentistry Mm -hmm. in a single location. And, you know, the saying that drives me crazy amongst dentists is well, you become a jack of all trades and master of none. And I think that's total BS. I think we've reached a point today where you can be a very good master. Maybe not a true master, okay, like a sensei or whatever, yeah. right? I don't know what those words mean mm-hmm. necessarily. But you can be a very good master of a lot of procedures now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is revolves around technology. Yeah. Technology is the democratization of dentistry. Yes. You know, it, it makes what I would have never thought of doing, you know, three years out of dental school. Mm-hmm. I would never have the guts yeah. to say I want to place implants, mm-hmm. but times have changed. Yeah. you know. And, and today it's not unusual for a for dentist straight out of school to mm-hmm. invest in technology, uh, to take a risk mm-hmm. in technology, and to uh, start placing things that, that used to have to wait 10 or 15 years to do.
1: Yeah. And you know, by no means am I going to planning to take on cases that are out outside of my comfort zone you know, but I we still,
0: will because yeah. we, sometimes we don't know what our comfort zone is we have to learn
1: yeah but i, I you know i like to be more guarded with yeah. these kind of things but you know
0: that's the, what i used to say
1: <laughs> <laughs> the technology allows you to take the guessing work out of it yeah. to make sure that you're giving the patient a good restoration what do you think about the
0: case i did today
1: i thought it was good yeah. it was really good it was very cool to see someone doing it live and you know how everyone. long did it take me of actual work time probably 15 20 minutes and what did i do to extract section to bridge, mm-hmm. you extracted the teeth, you how many teeth
0: it, two teeth, two teeth, okay
1: uh, you place an implant, okay you placed the um the
0: scam body the body
1: and we grafted and you grafted, yeah, uh, with the And I took bone. my
0: final impression,
1: and then you also put scam bodies on other implants on that we had already other done implants, and you uncovered a couple of yeah. implants as well,
0: yeah. All in like 20, probably 20, 22 minutes, yeah. somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. And to me, that's all about technology yes. because the work was done in advance. Yes, Yeah. You know, the work was done as you guys learned today through the planning phase mm-hmm. and the guide phase mm-hmm. and the restorative phase and virtual wax ups and kind of knowing where things are going to go. Mm-hmm. And that's where, where the work was really done at today.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, that's awesome. Not too so bad, was it to no, come on? It was. What can I help you with? What questions may you have that, uh, that I can help you with? I don't know. I've listened to so many of your podcasts. Okay. I feel like so it's, I'm a, like I'm a, I'm a broken record. I say the same thing. Not necessarily things, a yeah. broken
1: record, but I mean, you always have wisdom to offer. Yeah. But what are
0: you struggling with?
1: I feel like I could always get better with case acceptance.
0: I thought, let's talk know? about that. What is that? What do you mean by that?
1: You know, what, whether it's like small phrasing here or there, or even you know, communicating with patients. Mm-hmm. I feel like even the pearl you mentioned today about you know getting straight to the point mm-hmm. instead of like beating around the bush, like. You no know, a lot of us like say, the whole
0: investment like yeah. this is an investment mm-hmm. come on that's yeah. that's sales words i mm-hmm. I'll say a word that you said today during our conversation that I don't want you to use anymore mm-hmm. that's prosthetic okay. We don't need to use that word without patients. Okay. You know, we're not giving them prosthetics. That's yeah. like a leg yeah. that snaps on and off. And No yeah. no patient wants a leg that yeah. snaps on and off, right? Yeah. We'll give them teeth. We'll give mm-hmm. them something to function with. Yeah. Give them something to chew with. Mm-hmm. And I probably even wouldn't even use the word function with them. We'll just give you something to bite with and mm-hmm. chew with, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I think case acceptance, because you have, I can see that you have the demeanor, okay? You have that heart to do good. I think really... What I'm what I'm seeing with more and more young people is we're overcomplicating it. Mm -hmm. Simple. Talk to people in their language. Mm -hmm. You talk to people on a everyday language. Like I don't I don't say you have interproximal decay. Mm -hmm. Like you have a cavity between your teeth. Mm -hmm. You know you know just things like that. Things that aren't dental school. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think the more we can do that, the better. Mm -hmm. I think simple things like phrases like Mrs. Jones, if you were my mother. Assuming their mother's age. Yeah. Okay. Uh, don't say that to a thirty-year-old. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when you're you yourself a twenty-eight. Yeah. Okay. A twenty-nine. You know. But if I if you were my mother, if you were my sister, if you were my brother, if you were my father in the chair, this is what I would recommend for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think little things like that. It's the little things. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the things I mentioned today was words matter. Yes. Yeah, words are important. Mm-hmm. The things we say to people matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we got to work on our words. Absolutely. We got to work on talking less. Mm -hmm. We got to work on talking slower. Mm -hmm. Not slow, but slower. We got to work on asking people if they have questions, you know?
1: And even something as simple as, you know, when you asked, you know, how much does your implant cost? Yeah. And then we're going into, oh, the extraction costs this, the bone graft costs this, Mm -hmm. the abutment costs this. Well, if you need a custom abutment, then it's actually going to cost this. But then if you need an implant versus just, it's going to be, $3,500, $3,500, whatever, the number, fee, is, whatever right? the number is, you know, yeah. but just having a single fee just immediately simplifies the process and makes it easier for everybody. Because yeah. even for us, Dennis, the numbers sometimes can get a little bit
0: overwhelming. Yeah.
1: So I can't imagine how it'd be for the patient.
0: And then it could be overwhelming for your team members. Yeah. yeah. All those things. Look, Rodney, I think you're going to do great with all this technology. We appreciate you investing in 3D dentists to come out and do it. Not just the money that it takes to take the class, Mm -hmm. but the Saturday and Sunday and the Friday flying here and Mm -hmm. stuff uh, that you took away from your family and your wife. Mm Uh, and they're probably the weather is probably better in Sacramento than it was here. So
1: yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit rainy, and I was hoping it wasn't going to be as rainy when I came out here. But you know, thank you for having me. You yeah, know you. your courses are awesome, and yeah, I you appreciate know, they re- that. They're really distilled down to the essence of what you need to know without overcomplicating things, and I feel
0: like that's the value. Well, I'm o- I'm only so smart, so I can't teach. <laughs> I can only teach as smart as I am. So thanks, Ronnie. No problem. Thanks yeah, for having me. Pl- Any time. If you've taken sleep apnea training to only get back to your practice and not be able to reap the benefits, then you need to listen to this message. I've teamed up with Dr. Aaron Elliott and we provide a level one sleep training that's focused on implementation. It's not focused on all the science, it's not focused on all the things that could possibly go wrong or go right. It's focused on how do I get my team on board and how do I make this a part of my practice that's not complicated. So, if you're looking for sleep apnea training that just gets you started, that's down to business, that's not full of any fluff, then you need to take a level one implementation program. You can find out more by visiting www.3d-dentists.com and look for our sleep apnea implementation program. We look forward to seeing you at a seminar soon. Hey podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.